My name is Roman Pierzner, and my work seeks to create novel and efficient seismic methods for monitoring of geological carbon storage. Welcome to Seismic Sound Off, exploring the depth and usefulness of geophysics for the scientific community and the public. I'm your host, Andrew Gary. Geological Carbon Capture and Storage, or CCS, is a critical component of CO2 emission reduction, which aims to alleviate global climate change. And geological carbon storage always requires a subsurface monitoring program, and seismic methods play an important role. In this episode, I speak with Roman Pisnier, highlighting his upcoming honorary lecture. Roman explains why a subsurface monitoring program is necessary for geological carbon storage and the range of seismic methods used to monitor CO2 storage. He discusses how the Australian CCS projects featured in the lecture highlight the evolution of the seismic monitoring technology used for sequestration. He also explores the advantages and disadvantages of permanently mounted seismic sources and characterizes passive data analysis. This conversation explores the goal of this lecture, the perfect audience for this talk, and the one question Roman hopes attendees take with them. Carbon capture and storage will play a major role in the future of geophysics, and this conversation helps demonstrate possible paths. To find links to register for two upcoming sessions and to read Roman's full biography, visit seg.org podcast or check out the show notes where you're listening now. Now, my conversation with Roman Pisnier. The title of your honorary lecture, which is why we are featuring you on, on the episode today, Surface and Borehole Seismic Monitoring of CO2 Geological Storage. Why is subsurface monitoring program necessary for geological carbon storage? Well, in simple words, you want to make sure that the interacted carbon dioxide is behaving good and occupying the right uh, space in the desired reservoir. So basically, there are two main goals. One of them is so-called conformance monitoring, which means that CO2 is propagating as planned. There are possible updates of geological uh, models, etc., and updating of the flow simulations. And the other usual goal is so-called assurance monitoring. And SETU is not trying to escape from the primary containment, and there are no other adverse effects, like, for instance, uh, excessive induced seismicity. What range of seismic methods can be used to monitor CO2 storage? I think pretty much all seismic methods has will have role in geological carbon storage. So reflection seismic, uh, both surface and borehole, is the usual tool to get detailed uh, image of the Seatuprium. Uh, micro seismic uh, is there to detect this induced seismicity and uh, look after propagation of the pressure fronts. In principle, seismic refraction method can be used for large-scale conformance monitoring, but there was no published examples yet. Plus, obviously, we are looking into various uh, passive seismic, like using ambient uh, noise to get information about plume and well integrity. In your summary for this talk, it was the first time that I'd kind of come across this question. How does being close to large sources of CO2 emissions impact the monitoring strategies that one might use at the storage sites? Basically, typical scenarios for CO2 storage uh, is either production of hydrocarbons where CO2 can be separated during the production, 
but in all other cases, uh, CO2 will be produced close to where people living. And this usually creates a lot of uh, issues with degree of invasiveness of the technique and the way we can uh, operate on the same land or same parts of uh, ocean, which are also used for other purposes like farming, etc. And basically, this results in the fact that uh, the whole monitoring strategy has to be catering for as low uh, invasive operation as possible. How have the Australian CCS projects you feature in this lecture highlighted the evolution of the seismic monitoring technology used for sequestration? Great question. Most of the uh, projects I'm going to talk about, they are demonstration projects, so it's not the commercial storage, but the projects which were specifically designed to uh, develop and field test the technology. Well, the whole suite of technologies and seismic is just uh, one of those. So basically, the usual way for the seismic operated previously was large surveys, big sources, uh, uh, sparse in time. And there was usually kind of long time from uh, data being acquired to getting it processed. And obviously, reservoir engineers seen the reservoir like a few months ago. So what uh, we did was first used to well, learn how to exchange uh, high power sources for on land, uh, low power sources with increase of uh, density. Then we realized that uh, the moment we bury receivers, we stopping interfering with farming activities and any permanent installations were great for that. So degree of invasiveness dropped. And then what has happened is that many CCS projects uh, were among the first early adopters of fiber optic sensing technology, which is one of the most game-changing technologies uh, which came out within last decade. Otway was the first project in Australia which ultimately tested this technology uh, among with other CCS projects like Ketsen, Citronel, Acristor, Kami. So it's not it's not only Australian uptake in technology development, but we obviously contributed more here. Now, speaking of something of permanent, permanently mounted seismic sources, which is an option, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages when looking at monitoring carbon storage? I'd probably first say two words about permanent receivers. Basically, the moment you're putting receivers permanently on the ground, it's reduces invasiveness, uh, it cuts the time for mobilization, demobilization, and ultimately it gives opportunity to control the recording spread remotely. And same goes with uh, seismic sources. The moment you're putting them permanently, it usually means that you want to uh, operate it uh, remotely and gives opportunity to automate acquisition and processing completely. So, for instance, for us, it was a great advantage because uh, stage three of the Otway project happened during the COVID time and we were technically uh, cut out of site access for two years. And having site instrumented with uh, permanent sources and receivers largely uh, saved the project. But disadvantages, well, obviously, if it's permanent, you can't move it. 
So with permanent seismic sources, you will have uh, limited uh, imaging capabilities. You won't have the 3D volume, you'll have a set of 2D transects. But basically, it's obviously much less universal compared to conventional vibrosized track. But, uh, well, it has its uh, good place and uh, role. So basically, permanent sources getting quite popular. Yeah, I mean, why not throw it in the toolkit there? And, and it's pretty incredible <laughs> that uh, during COVID, you were able to, to keep the project going. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome there. What is passive data analysis? Passive means we can control only receivers, but not the sources. And we ultimately do two different things. One of them is usual microseismic monitoring, uh, which is targeting induced seismicity. And induced seismicity is both carrier of information about pressure, but also sometimes if it's uh, excessive, considered as the adverse effect, obviously. But the other part of passive data analysis is attempt to use uh, ambient uh, seismic fields to get information about uh, this surface. For instance, we learned how to use uh, earthquakes, well, the energy which uh, is propagating from normal earthquakes to look for changes in situation for plume inside of the well, but also look for uh, issues with well integrity. What inspired you to utilize your expertise with subsurface monitoring to apply it to this area of CO2 storage? I actually didn't have any expertise in uh, subsurface monitoring before being involved in the Seattle Jet Sequestration Projects. My Previous life was mainly related to development of algorithms and software for seismic data processing and borehole seismic. And ultimately, both programming and borehole seismic skills helped a lot because uh, all the things related to huge volume of data analysis and uh, automation, this is where I kind of really benefited from what I knew. Yeah, I, I, I talked to someone a while back and just the scale of some of these CO2 storage sites, you don't, they're, they're just massive. So I'm sure that that ability to, to juggle so much data has been very beneficial to you. What do you see as the ultimate goal of this lecture? Look, I guess probably explain how I see seismic monitoring, including both problems and uh, some solutions for CCS. Who is the perfect audience for this talk? I would say people interested, obviously, in CCS and seismic monitoring in general, and also people from distributed fiber optic sensing background, because a lot of work we did was related to distributed acoustic sensing. But I obviously tried to be simple enough so uh, the lecture should cater for audience with wide range of backgrounds. You know, what is a, a question you hope attendees ask themselves after this lecture? As most of the examples I'll be showing related to small-scale projects, I think that the natural question would be how to take all these bits and pieces of technologies and try to apply it to commercial large-scale sites. Uh, I'll try to talk about this a little bit during the lecture as well. And, you know, what have you yourself gained by participating as an SEG honorary lecturer? Um, look, SEG is one of the biggest professional societies within our profession. So I'm obviously quite excited to be selected as honorary lecturer. I hope that it will help me and our group well, in wide sense. 
to promote research and establish new contacts. But also, I well, then I was preparing the slides. I spent a bit of time thinking what we did over the last decade and how it influenced the technology in general. You know, as you're talking about preparing the slides, I mean, it's it's a it's an undertaking doing a lecture like this. Why why is improving the understanding of subsurface monitoring programs related to CCS something that you've dedicated this time to put together this lecture? Uh, look, CCS is a critical technology for the energy transition period. So we can't for now avoid use of fossil fuels completely. And CCS is the way of uh, alleviating this. So it's very satisfying to work in this space. And uh, whatever we're doing uh, will go beyond uh, just CCS because the moment we'll start seriously talking about subsurface hydrogen storage, many of the developments which were done in CCS space will be applicable there as well. And lastly here, a general question. In what principle, teaching, or point of view has helped you succeed in your field? Yeah, this was the difficult question. <laughs> I, tried, <laughs> uh, I tried to find an appropriate quote, but I, I thought, well, I think I've stolen it from somebody in general. I think that the key was to establish a habit of starting things, doing it, and ultimately completing the project, not not dropping it halfway through. Is, is there anything, Roman, I, I should have asked that I did not? I don't think so. Well, again, I think that the questions were very well uh, formulated. Well, I'm excited uh, that the lecture is coming up. I appreciate you working with me. You're, uh, you know, in a, a faraway time zone. So thanks for, for making this happen and, and being able to get to our listeners. So thank you for your time. No worries. Thanks. You reached the end of Seismic Sound Off. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to be the first to know about the next episode, please follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Two of my favorites are Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have episode ideas, feedback for the show, or want to sponsor a future episode, visit seg.org podcast and find the box titled Contact Seismic Sound Off. Zach Bridges created original music for this show. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at Treasurement. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Allie McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.